Welcome to FinTech Unfiltered. This is Senior Editor Shuman Bhattacharya of Bank Innovation, and I'm joined with Angela Mercado, Associate Editor of Bank Innovation. Nice to be with us today. Good to be here. Thus, we have Kelly Ford, who was recently promoted to general partner at growth equity firm Edison Partners. Edison targets high-growth companies with $8 million to $30 million in revenue. Edison supports well-known fintech companies like Challenger Bank Moneylion, alternative investment platform YieldStreet, and business payments platform Bento for Business. Thank you for being with us today, Kelly. Thanks for having me. So, Kelly, you joined Edison in 2014 with the background of working 20 years inside high-growth B2B software companies. Can you tell us what excites you in the field of fintech today and what you hope to bring to the role? Uh, Sure, yeah. Edison has been uh, investing in fintech for, I think we're approaching 20 years, kind of starting in payments and lending before those categories were, uh, were considered cool. And I think today, you know, fintech is both platform and ingredient. And it's it's becoming a seamless part of virtually every consumer experience and increasingly now, you know, also enterprise applications. So, you know, I'll certainly I'm certainly leaning on our kind of rich history and experience in in the fintech space. And I've uh, been involved in a few of our investments, you know, since I've been at the firm over the last five years. Um, but what in my background in software and specifically enterprise software and B2B, I think I bring that point of view to this and the intersection of vertical enterprise SaaS with fintech uh, is pretty exciting. You know, anything that removes friction associated with invoicing, payments, lending, even insurance, you know, putting that right into the flow of standard business processes and the applications that support that. Um, I think is an interesting intersection and, and, and something I'm leaning into. Um, I think a great example of that is uh, in the supply chain. And we have an investment um, that we did in a, in a company called Suchi, uh, which is sort of reinventing the apparel supply chain. And they're beginning to offer, you know, such ingredients, you know, in their solution in terms of sourcing and bringing multiple parties together seamlessly through a, you know, product development and manufacturing process. So that's just one example, but I think, you know, fintech is 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 becoming so ubiquitous um, across. B2B, B2C, applications and ingredients within applications. And um, and that's something that I'm, you know, really leaning into in, in joining our fintech practice. So you talk about fintech as platform. Um, a lot of that is um, part of, being part of the enabling pipes, um, particularly the, the B2B side of fintech. Can you tell us a little bit about what's interesting in the realm of B2B fintech? Like what particular things particular tools that are being released now are, um, you know, driving uh, investor attention? Sure. You know, we've made bets in, um, on the B2B side in fintech in, you know, Solovis, for example, they have a platform for institutional investment management. Many of our limited partners are customers of, uh, and some of the largest endowments and, um, institutional 
organizations uh, are, are customers of Solovis. Um, we invested in them a few years ago. ComplySci, uh, digital compliance monitoring for trading and, you know, institutions to manage, you know, risk and have visibility into employee behaviors and ensuring compliance, right? So, you know, those are two um, B2B platforms, you know, complex, uh, multi-faceted, high, highly functional business critical applications that inst- different types of institutions are are using. And we, I mean, we've made an investment in BitSync recently. They are doing, um, they have a research management platform. So, you know, enterprise-like applications that are, you know, vertical and specific to um, mission-critical use cases uh, within financial services organizations. And uh, turning to the B2C side, um, I mean, Edison is invested in, um, you know, Moneyline, a a fast-growing challenger bank. Do you have any any thoughts on uh, what's particularly compelling about B2C? Yeah, I mean, we're very bullish on, you know, the challenger bank space or what we call banking 3.0, obviously, with our bed and money lion. Um, Yield Street is is making um, alternative investing accessible to the masses and really, at its core, uh, providing kind of a capital as a service platform for businesses and investors don't uh, or historically haven't enjoyed uh, access to. So even we've made a recent investment in um, real estate tech company called Hauser. And, you know, whether it's Moneyline, Yield Street, Hauser, there are others, they're all democratizing financial services in their own ways. And, on the B, you know, although we're we tend to lean heavier B two B generally as a firm, in and outside of fintech, on the B two C side of things, you know, we get we continue to get excited about anything that is differentiated in a way that they make financial services cheaper, convenient, more convenient, safer um, for consumers. That you know, those that will continue to get our attention. My colleague Angeli has uh, been writing uh, quite a few of these 2020 trend pieces, and I think she has a couple of questions about some bigger picture items within fintech uh, that will um, come to fruition over the next year. So I'll pass the mantle on to Angeli, who will ask you a couple of questions relating to that. Great. Hi, Kelly. Hi. So I was wondering if you have any thoughts on what is one big fintech trend that you believe will manifest heavily in 2020? I think that this sort of play, this there's a trend around rebundling, which yeah, we, we mentioned Moneylion, um, and we made a call around, a thesis around rebundling when we invested in Moneylion a few years ago. And I think the sort of age of of this concept of rebundling is, I mean, it's here. You know, bringing all banking services together, your personal finance management, credit, lending, robo-advisor, you know, your, your personal assets and your liabilities together, access through one provider 
in a subscription model and in, in through a mobile first experience. I, you know, this is, you know, this space could be considered overhyped, um, but I actually think it it is in a positive way, and I think it's a positive uh, and fast-moving trend, and we'll see lots more activity here this year as these challenger banks continue to diversify their products, and they all, you know, compete and come at it from from different ways to really become the bank of the future. So I think that's happening. This is happening now. It's here, and we'll see a lot more activity to this end in 2020. And I was wondering if you couldn't give me another example of some of those services that do these rebundling. In terms of other challenger banks, in terms of other products that are that are being provided. I mean, I think really the notion of your your personal banking, your ability to bank, to borrow, to invest, those are the to save, <laughs> you know, uh, to pay. I, I mean, these are. These are uh, all the critical pieces that are coming together and that these challenger banks are certainly focused on. I think that there's been so much in the way of funds flowing into this environment. And I think there's, what, 12 banks, I believe. Um, About a dozen banks have raised $100 million or more. Six of them, half of those. Uh, are already valued at unicorn status. Uh, so it's a, these different banks will come at it or even as new entrants potentially come at it with a different approach. I mean, lending is an obvious place to start, getting the personal bank account, finding ways, I mean, the way Money at Lion has with a subscription model to to monetize these products in new and different ways. And they're really, you know, putting the pressure on the traditional institutions and it's and they're really having an impact. So, you know, the buzz and and the the trend of rebundling is here and then the question is always, is this are they really having an impact? Are they really I mean, these are these large institute traditional institutions really threatened, you know, by these new entrants and this rebundling trend. And I think we're seeing really um, interesting signs that they are. I mean, on the on the wealth management side, for example, you know, TD Ameritrade and Schwab are, are great examples where they've had to respond to this pressure by cutting their fees, right? And that's coming at it from purely, you know, personal trading and wealth management, whereas you know, other of these sort of challenger banks that came at it more from, um, you know, lending and, and personal banking. And you had mentioned overhyped just now, and I was wondering, are there any ongoing fintech trends that you personally believe are overhyped and why? Honestly, I do think that. I mean, it's. I mean, we're kind of on a single thread here, and I apologize for that, but I do think this challenger bank space is overhyped, but overhyped in a positive way versus a negative way. Mm-hmm. Um, it, the funds flowing into it, uh, the impact that it's starting to have in terms of how 
the larger traditional institutions are responding. Um, you know, all of those things are contributing to a buzz and to a hype. Um, and per, you know, time will tell <laughs> with the valuations and all the capital going into the space are uh, is is truly paying off. But I think we are seeing uh, positive signs that it, it, that it's 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 going in the right direction and it's having the right impact and it is you know fundamentally uh, you know changing changing this space. Um, I am changing you know, uh, changing banking and, and the broader definition of banking. That's the one that stands out for me, honestly, uh, in terms of, and there's so many blades in there in terms of the different products that are, that these challenger banks are, are bringing together and not only products, but experiences and content uh, that, that complement the, the services and the products and services that are available. And my final question is that as a woman in senior leadership in fintech, what do you think the industry needs to do to foster more diverse gender uh, dynamics and also just perspectives? Yeah, there's, you know, there's a um, almost a triple whammy here in terms of, uh, you know, diversity in these spaces. You've got financial services, which you know, is, is male dominant. I, through my entire career in tech and, and now in tech investing, you know, there, I was a minority in the in management team and leadership teams and in the tech industry. And I remain that in now in the investment space and in fintech investing. So, you know, all three of these areas, financial services, tech, investing, they all need better marketing like we're bad marketers to attract and encourage women into this space and i think part of that really relies on the key influencers in this ecosystem you know at the top of the chain on on the investment side limited partners can influence this you know they can advance diversity standards and expectations of their managers and then as you come down you know, the chain CEOs raising money, they can, you know, influence this change. You know, they have lots of options for capital. Uh, diversity can be on their scorecard in terms of, you know, the, the partner that they choose and what the makeup of that organization is. And then the companies themselves, you know, fintechs and in any, you know, tech company, financial services institution need to give it focus. I mean, I think we should this is a fast-moving industry uh, when there are positions available. You know, of course, you're trying to fill them as fast as possible. But And by all means, we should always be hiring the best person for the job. But at least ensure some gender balance in the candidate pool you're building. It may take a little longer, but with the extra effort, I think it can start to pay off. We, as, as an example, we're... Um, we're recruiting for a vice president for our enterprise sector right now. We have actually have two candidates here with us today. And, you know, if we were not committed to diversity, we, we might have hired somebody already. And it's been, I don't know, a couple of months since we've had the open position. Lots of interest, but we're making an effort to build a balanced pool of the best possible candidates and a diverse pool. 
and then we'll choose the best candidate from there. So I think it's just a little time, a little extra time and effort that the companies need to take. And I think there are key influencers around the ecosystem and up the chain that can really start to, you know, drive the change. So thank you for talking to us today on FinTech Unfiltered. And we certainly look forward to following uh, your portfolio companies and your evolving thinking on the evolution of the space. Thank you very much. Appreciate it.